to Wednesday of ING Week. Yeah! <laughs> this morning we have a really cool opportunity to get to have a panel discussion with some really great people who are involved um, in the world of next gen. Yeah, and we're really excited to even hear, we, you know, we have a list of questions that we, the ING team came up with so we can engage with all these leaders, but we also want help from you guys. So Kaylee, was there a- Yeah, there's a QR code. QR code, and we want you guys to get out your phone, scan it, and ask questions. And as we're going through uh, the, you know, panel process, we'll be looking at the questions as well. Yeah, so can we give a grand old North Central welcome to our panel members? Yeah. So as they get settled, I just have a couple announcements. Today is Wednesday, which means we are halfway done with ING Week, but there's so many, so much more fun things happening this week. Uh, before and after chapel, every day, there's a booth outside with some of our ING student leaders. If you're like, I wanna have more info about this ING thing and what y'all get to do and who you are, talk to those people. We're also selling t-shirts and there's giveaways. So you should go talk to those humans but before we talk to those humans, we want to hear from these humans. <laughs> so we're going to go around. We'll start. I'm Kaylee. I'm the student director of ING. Um, <laughs> but we're going to go down, and you're going to meet all of these wonderful humans. And we'll start with Derek. Oh. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm Derek Bergen. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm a senior, and I'll be graduating in May. Um, and I'll be working at a church in Illinois, in Elmhurst, so, yep. Cool, my name is Dan. I get to serve in Wisconsin and Northern Michigan. I'm a North Central grad, graduated in 03. I sat over there um, many times, also sat up there many times, and I get to serve in a ministry called Youth Alive, and I'm excited to share some more about that in our conversation today. Oh, what's up? My name's Eric Shavesty. Uh, I vocationally uh, run a small ministry where we develop mentors to disciple youth from hard places. So all about equipping other believers to mentor youth from hard places. Uh, live in North Minneapolis and am also a house church pastor. My name is Miranda Benz. I'm also an NCU alum. I did my undergrad and master's here, so I love North Central. Um, I am bivocational. I am a youth pastor. I'm in my 20th year and serve at Real Life Church in Roseville. And I also am full-time in adolescent mental health. So pretty passionate about working with young people of all ages and excited to be here today. My name is Kyle Joris and uh, I love kids ministry. I, I am also a North Central alum. 2018, I graduated, and yeah. I sat up up there. Um, and uh, I, I'm just glad to be here, and I get to, uh, for a job, I get to communicate the gospel to kids in the most creative, fun ways ever. And uh, I get to work in an awesome church called Evangel in Bismarck, North Dakota. That's your president, Doug Graham, actually, yeah. used to pastor up yeah. there. And just big things are happening in uh, the middle of nowhere, North Dakota. It's actually, just so you guys know, that's, it's a pretty, pretty awesome place. But I love serving the kids ministry there at, at my church, Evangel. Awesome. Uh, 
I have to shout out Dan real quick. He, he was so humble. He didn't mention that he's also a volunteer firefighter <laughs> on top of all the other responsibilities. And, I, and as we were talking earlier, it's just so cool to how you're staying connected in the community uh, that way. So I wanted to uh, just share that as well. My name is Phil Johnson. Uh, and that, sweet. Yes. We pay people in Chick-fil-A. There it is. Uh, thank you, guys. Uh, so uh, North Central alumni as well. Uh, sat in different spots. The moment I moved to the front, my friends texted me and said, oh, so you're a Pharisee now. <laughs> and, uh, and so you got to love some good North Central bubble drama, right? And so, but no, I sat all the different spots and, and things like that. Um, have been serving in youth ministry and student ministry for going on 14 years now. Next Gen Ministry is the best ministry. Gosh, yeah. it's so much fun. So much, even on its worst days, uh, there isn't a spot I wouldn't want to be than in next gen. So it's just an absolute joy. We actually have a fun question for you, Pastor Phil. That has already been sent via Shop. QR code. <laughs> My wife is sitting in the student section as if she's hanging out here. So this will be, I wonder if we'll see who asked this one. Let's the question ahead. is, how many pairs of shoes do you have? Actually, uh, I was delivered from that here at North Central. <laughs> Amen. No, no, it's, no, real talk. Uh, I grew up uh, South Minneapolis, and uh, uh, parents had a faith-based salary, so when I started getting a job, I just bought shoes with every paycheck. So at its uh, peak in high school, I would say I had about 60 pairs. But then at North Central, I remember God convicted me at one of the uh, altars and said, hey, these are an idol. And so one of the moments that we had a, a chapel speaker in came in, gave uh, three-quarters of the pairs away wow. uh, just because I felt like those were the idols. So now there's a, it's a good active remembrance um and so we like to give them away more than we like to receive them and so but yeah so i have a feeling who knew who asked that but we're gonna see what the enemy meant for evil and we're gonna turn it for good here <laughs> on that one that's awesome so yeah keep sending in questions and we see them coming in so you can keep doing that but um as we jump into this discussion uh as you guys know and as you heard we have a lot of longevity, we have a lot of experience, we have a lot of wisdom, and so in this conversation today, we have questions that we already put in, but we'd love to hear your guys' questions, um, and just have a conversation about next-gen influence and next-gen ministry, and how can we in the callings and individual um, anointings that God's put on our lives, because we don't all have the same calling, um, and God can use a youth pastor just as much as he can use a social worker or an educator. Um, and so we're going to have that conversation uh, today. Um, the first question that I have is, um, what are and are there um, effective strategies for mentoring and guiding young individuals towards personal and professional success? Y'all look at me. First thought was just like model what you preach. Yeah. So when you think about, I'm guessing in your life, we, we've all had people who've made a massive impact in our lives. And my guess is they actually lived out what they shared with you. Um, so that would be just number one thing is actually model out what you're, what you're sharing. I think a great way to do that as a youth pastor, I made it a mission and have continued for it to be a mission. I don't run errands alone. I don't do things that maybe I could go do on my own simply. Instead, I try to get together a group of kids to come with me to model so they can see what does it look like to be an adult out in the real world, buying groceries, interacting with a server at a restaurant. Um, I think the more they can just see it in action, um, 
it's just, it, it can become part of their DNA then as well. So I grocery shop with teenagers all the time and people are like, you have a lot of kids. None of them are mine. But um, it's just, it's, and the discipleship conversations that can happen in those moments too. It's, it, they're priceless opportunities. Yeah, I just think, um, like going along with both of you said, just relationship is one of the most important things, especially for kids. Jesus, he taught in large crowds, but he, he discipled in small crowds. And um, at our church evangel, I, I, there's like about 700 kids, um, newborn to fifth grade, that come every single week. And you can't disciple that many kids on just one Sunday. So we try to break things down as small as possible and try to just use relationship, the power of relationship, to really just help kids see um, you know, how they can be, how, what it looks like to just love Jesus um, and model that too. So, yeah. No, I love that because uh, you can't delegate discipleship. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those that, uh, I mean, I think there is some elements within scripture that the things that we're all called to, you know, when it comes to go and to make disciples. And so we see that you can't delegate that. Uh, a practical thing that has worked for us over the years is giving students safe opportunities to fail. Uh, to put into practice things that you're like, hey, this is an environment that if it doesn't go as well as you think it might or should go, that it's not going to cost you a job. It's not going to have this ripple effect where it impacts your family. That, hey, what worked, what didn't, um, whether that, like for us, we love student testimonies or giving students opportunities to lead in areas where they know that we're, we might not come save the day for them, like, hey, this, is, this didn't work. Let's walk through it and let's have a conversation. So creating opportunities within whatever field it is to fail safely and to learn from that so it doesn't hold them back, but it actually equips them and empowers them. Like, okay, I, I survived that. I can do this. I can get back up. This is what it feels like to get back up. This is what it feels like to learn from that and to continue on. So I think uh, providing those opportunities is a big deal. Yeah, and the only thing I would add is uh, you have to remember intentionality and proximity because if you live with those two things, you're going to be able to walk alongside of the young lives that you're trying to really invest into. There's 5,280 feet in a mile, but that's a lot of steps. These young lives that God is calling you to love and to serve, they need to be walked into their purpose. Uh, I've got a 16-year-old son. He just started driving last year, and he's a pretty good driver, but I love what uh, you shared on the end, like helping them fail well, because this generation right now is so wrapped up in anxiety Uh, In some of my work with public schools, I I listen to middle school principals tell me that some students refuse to take tests because they're so afraid of failing. And so what can we do as the body of Christ to get alongside of students and to remind them it's going to be okay? And so the other night we had a, a, a snowstorm blow through Wisconsin, and so it was rain and then it froze which is terrible driving conditions and so i told my son i said grab the car keys we're going right now <laughs> and i wanted i brought him to a parking lot i was like hey lock up the brakes do some donuts yeah. get used to being out of control in control and i think modeling and so much was shared here and it's so good and so i would add intentionality and proximity and remember that you can walk someone a lot farther than you can run ahead of them and tell them to sprint to you if that makes sense that's great no that's really good um we're pausing because there's a lot of really good questions that got sent in and we're both like okay (laughs) yeah 
Um, I think this is a, a really good gem that we should all, um, as next-gen leaders, should probably uh, take in and comprehend. But how do you get, how do you get, what? How do you begin to, <laughs> sorry, how do you begin to have a missional focus while working in the marketplace? I'll go first. Um, <laughs> if you can view your marketplace as this is a place where I can build relationships, right? Because there's going to be people in that marketplace that I cannot reach, that he cannot reach, that other people cannot reach. And so just looking at it through the lens of, oh, this is a phenomenal place to build relationships, to um, connect. But then you can take those relationships outside of that field too in the sense of, grabbing a meal together, and taking the relationship outside of just work, if you're going in business or whatnot, and just seeing it through the lens of, this is my field, and this is just as important as someone who's in full-time ministry. Um, and you're gonna be able to interact and connect with people and share the gospel and love them uh, in a way that someone in full-time ministry can't even connect with them. So, yeah, vocational, or the marketplace, can be vocational ministry too, if you have that lens. So in my experience, I managed coffee shops for 13 years. Um, and I will say, the people that came into my coffee shop every morning became family, right? So being intentional with the people you're interacting with, whether it's coworkers or people coming into the store, if you're in, in depending on what you're doing. Um, so I think treating those people that you're interacting with the same way you would treat someone at church, right? With intentionality, care about their life, ask questions. It was super fun over the years. I would see see some ladies who were like in their pregnancy and then years later be invited to like birthday parties and things like that for their kids. Um, so just being really intentional with relationships and seeing people. Um, the other piece I would say, working in mental health, um, I feel like the caseload that I work with, the clients I work with, I work with in Edina Public Schools, um, I would say that that is where I feel like I'm doing the most ministry, if I'm completely honest, because I'm working with a group of students in their darkest hour. Um, and it's an opportunity to just sit and be with them and work with them. And I will say that that has made me a much more effective youth pastor because I learned how to sit and not have to have an answer for a student, but to just sit with them in their moment and then when they're ready to ask their questions, then have some answers. Um, so I think there's a lot of unique opportunities in the marketplace that we do not have within the church system or the church structure to meet people at where they're at that are never going to maybe walk through the doors of a church traditionally, but you can meet them where they're at because you have a relationship with them outside of the, the church world. So just know the opportunities are significant if you're praying for God to reveal them to you. Um, so that's my big thing. Every morning in my prayer time, I always say, God, show me today who within Fraser or within the Adina High School or middle school, whatever school I'm at, or which day, who am I supposed to connect with today? Because there's, he's, he's always going to reveal that person. So um, I think it's really exciting to look at what does ministry look like in the marketplace. If you guys don't mind real quick, just a follow-up question. How do you start to begin to build those relationships with those people? I would, uh, that's a good follow-up question, and I, I want to piggyback off what Miranda was sharing, because I think there's a, a spiritual discipline of just of prayer, like leading in person, God, give me your eyes, open my eyes to see the opportunity, because I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to deliver an answer that, oh, I have to step in, and I have to, and to do A, B, and C off the bat, but recognizing, God, you love them more than I love them, right. 
you know them better than I know them. And to have a desire to say, God, whoever it is, not just people I'm comfortable talking to. Uh, for me, like I am much more comfortable talking to people that might have an athletics background or ha- are in next-gen focuses. But God, I'm like, no, like in those situations of people that I might not be comfortable having conversations with that I don't have common ground, God, give me your heart and give me those. And like Moran was sharing, it's having a attitude of prayer and a practice of prayer daily of saying, not just praying for the people we know, but God, for those interactions, the people I'm uh, talking to at the drive-through, people that I'm talking with at the restaurants, because what I've recognized even in my life now, the last nine years, I've worn one of my favorite hats is the hat of a parent. I have a nine-year-old, and my wife and I, we have a nine and seven-year-old. I don't want to separate my boys from, hey, this is how we act at church, and this is how we act when we're out outside of church. But that even out there, when there's somebody that we recognize that's having a bad day, we pause and go, hey, uh, we believe in the power of Is there anything we can be praying for you yeah. for? And they might say like, oh, well, yeah, but I don't want prayer now. I'm like, oh, no, we just want to pray for you. Uh, we don't need to do that now, but we'll, we just want to be lifting you up in prayer. That's something we believe in. Because then my, my sons are catching that. And, they're, and what you were saying, like they're, it's being modeled. Not because of a, a church brand or a church name that we go in, because we're followers of Jesus, and that's, that's Jesus. It's like we are walking on mission, not just a church's mission statement, but a biblical mission that we stay on and have to stay in tune with in prayer. For me, has just been such an amazing way of just staying true north and keeping the true north when it comes to, to that. Yeah, and also I would add as far as like where to start, you have to identify what's the need. Uh, too often in Christian moments, we're answering questions people aren't asking. And it's important that we, we learn the language of our culture that we're, we're called to. Uh, a lot of what I get to do with Youth Alive, we bring mental health programs. If you know who Terrence Talley is, if you know who Reggie Dabbs is, if you have heard of Eric Samuel, Tim, like all of these individuals are called to a, a public school moment where they're sharing mental health realities. And so I was just on the phone yesterday with a middle school administrator from Wisconsin, and he did a little research on Youth Alive, and he's like, Dan, one of my parents just told me that Youth Alive is a faith-based organization. I said, absolutely it is. And he goes, and they're concerned. <laughs> and I was ready for this conversation because I've been a student of public school culture for the past 13 years, and I know an administrator needs guarantees right now, especially, and so I confidently told him, I said, yes, we are a faith-based organization and there will be no religious content shared during the day. And so earning the trust and proving trustworthy are super important, but it all starts with me being humble enough to ask, what does this room need from me right now? Not what do I want to give them? Because too often we place ourselves in our comfort zones and then ask everyone to join us. But that's not the model of the gospel. Jesus literally left his comfort zone, came to earth, put on a human suit, and lived it out for us. And so if we are going to walk the way of the cross in the marketplace, we have to ask the question, what does this room need right now? And how can I help meet that need? So kind of along that same line, what are some like, we said like global trends or challenges that are affecting um, like the perspectives and influencing those like who are in the next gen right now? Uh, biblical illiteracy um, from people that proclaim to be people of faith, not just biblical. I think there's a, there's a level of insecurity that I have seen that has surfaced because we don't know our scripture. So how do we combat what we, we feel and know is not true, 
but because there's a level of, of that illiteracy, the inability it's to uh, not combat it in it, like, uh, but to really just recognize, hey, where, where am I standing? Where do I stand on this? Because, uh, and, and for us, like even like a paper Bible, right? Like getting students comfortable and getting in the word of God, learning how to search through it, to navigate it for them, not for a spiritual checklist, but um, I would recognize, I would say a biblical illiteracy would probably be one of the, the bigger ones that's a root for a lot of other things that we could, could highlight. Yeah, I would say amen to that. Um, as, like, that's not my only answer, but I'm so passionate about, about kids knowing scripture. And uh, I love, and I, I participated in like junior Bible quiz as a kid. Are there any JBQers in the room? Any JB, yeah, yeah. come on, there we go, all right. I love JBQ, and it just prepared me so much. And I would like, on top of that, I was like, for, with the, the biblical literacy thing, like it starts with us first, like knowing our scripture, like correctly handling the word of truth to be able to um, communicate truth in like really powerful ways. And um, it, it just kind of blows my mind when we, uh, when we do like parent pickup on a Sunday, we do this thing, just review questions where we talk about like the scripture or things like that. And we have kids like run up and try to answer a question in the microphone and just like really simple questions. And we'll be asking simple questions and it's, it just blows my mind. Like the, the kids were listening during service and they'll answer like how many books are in the Bible? 66. That's, that's, you gotta know that to be biblically <laughs> literate, right? And some of the, some of the parents are like, wow, oh my God, that's you know? Or like the, some like really simple, you know, Bible story element about David and Goliath, and it'll just blow their minds. They're like, oh, it's like, parents, like, open your Bibles at home. Like, that's a huge thing since, since the Bible is so, it's one of those things that since it's so accessible now, it's almost, well, at least in America, in our language, since it's so accessible and it's like everywhere, it's one of those things where we just kind of become like complacent. Like, you know, it used to be this thing where it's like, man, like bring your Bible, like you have your Bible and it's like, you know, it has your name on the bottom that you went to the Christian bookstore to get like in, you know, the leather of the book and you have it and it's the word of God. Oh, I can and smell that leather. Too. Yes, I can smell right? It. But now it's just like, oh, it's on this app and there's on the website and there's a bunch of other opinions and like the increase of knowledge in today's like day and age kind of puts our need and necessity for something as simple as being biblically literate like way down when it is like the most powerful transformative tool that we have in church and in the marketplace, wherever you are, the word of God. And that's big because, uh, sorry, and uh, mm -hmm. just looking at where you have your first couple submissions from culture to yeah. uh, attempt to rewrite it. Yeah. And they're submitting, they're saying, hey, we don't believe, like, we don't feel like this is safe literature. And you're watching some of these voices come up. So even the desire, like what we need to do to get mm -hmm. paper Bibles in the hands of students in next gen yeah. and for us to be in it as well. So I, I wanted to add on to that. But That's sorry, good. Miranda. No, you're fine. Um, and I think building off from some of that, I think... I personally think TikTok theology um, is a big challenge that also ties into Bible literacy because I think students can easily find people on social media 
who do not have the knowledge, <laughs> but appear to have the knowledge, and they have a huge following, right? Because they're confident, yeah. they're charismatic, they have a huge following. So students are going to things like TikTok because you can just quickly type in a search engine something you want to know, and you have yeah. no idea of knowing if it's actually accurate information. So on the biblical piece, I see that, but also um, as a mental health worker, I also see the, the piece of students self-diagnosing themselves with labels that they do not have. Um, and the challenges that that creates for students to understand their identity in Christ and who they are, um, I, I feel are pretty significant because they've come up with their own labels based on what TikTok is telling them, based on a diagnosis that someone else may have that, that they truly do not have. Um, and then they're carrying on a whole different identity that creates, I think, a lot of challenges. Yeah, that's like, it's like the, the whole new micro learning I've, I've heard that, have you guys heard that, that term micro learning where it's just, it's kind of like learning from scrolling and like there's different apps that you can like micro learn. And yeah. <laughs> I'm micro learning right now. Good, never, good, good, good. never heard of that. Yeah. But just as far as like what it means to like study scripture, scripture wasn't meant to be micro learned. Like it was a mac, it's a macro learning thing. It is like so much bigger than a 60 second like swipe on your phone and like oh wow and it's completely taken out of context that's micro like in your brain and what like you need macro to really impact your brain and impact your heart impact your behavior you don't need micro um anyways small rant and so to think through a little bit further on the global trends, I read way too much news, and so forgive me. Uh, two major global trends right now, more of the globe is coming online. So now teenagers and children all across the globe have more access to the internet. So that's a true opportunity to flood the space with truth and uh, you know, gospel. The second major trend happening right now globally is migration. Uh, about 2.8% of the global population right now are in transition somewhere and they're the majority are migrating to Europe and Latin America and then this the second or a third destination is to the United States and so we need to be ready to serve and minister to young people who grew up or born in another country and have migrated to your zip code okay so um, a couple of the questions that we've had uh, pop up as we're talking about like biblical literacy and all of these things, um, specifically for like educators, what can Christian educators do to better minister to students in a secular setting where they can't necessarily communicate the gospel? I was just talking with Kelly Patrick, one of our Minnesota Youth Alive um, staff, and she was just sharing a story about how a teacher recently um, asked a, a group of students that they're hosting, they're, they're using their classroom as a host room for a Bible study. And they just asked the group of students, hey, will you decorate my classroom door for Christmas? Um, didn't give them any just kind of, will you decorate? Um, and what the students ended up doing was they made basically a put your prayer request on this on this door for Christmas. And they had, I think Kelly said, like 46 different prayer requests that came in and were put on the door in a public school. So I think it can be as simple as 
opening up your room for a group of kids that maybe want to have a Bible study. And then you're equipping that group of students and the ripple effect of that, right, of opening your, simply opening your classroom for some students to study the Word of God before school. Um, but then to see it go to something as simple as decorate my door for Christmas and here are 46 prayer requests in a public school hanging on a classroom door. So I think it can be simple things like that, um, just being available for students um, in, in the small, small ways that have large dividends, I think. Uh, I'm not an educator, but I did for a year and a half work as a substitute teacher for Minneapolis public schools. And I can tell you, I guarantee they need just good teachers who generally care. But then you could also use your, your space to open up and how to think broader than just your personal impact of how can I get other believers in here? How can I, how can I be a doorway after you build trust with your teachers and admin and all that stuff? Just having the mindset of like, I can't do it all. So therefore, how can I leverage your position to bring in more believers who can further support, love the students? So that could be a, a way to do that. I would say too, <clears throat> when, I went, when I went to North Central, I was an elementary education major, actually. I wasn't a ministry major. Now I work in ministry, uh, and I only do that because education is like way too hard, okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I'm just teasing. But um, one of the things that I was really interested in while I was attending school here is just like the law around, like what, what can I say in a, in a schoolroom? And so that's one thing I would say of like, know the law of like, it's like, it seems like a really simple thing, but there are ways that teachers can actually be upfront with their beliefs, um, like based on different hours of the day and different things, whether you're on break or speaking to the class, like you can't evangelize your whole classroom if you're a teacher or things like that. But there are, there are so many other ways that you can um, like communicate the gospel and uh, I think that's really important. And also just to know like how kids learn too. Educational psychology is such an important thing to understand of like how people learn. When you can like understand that, you can reach them not just like for mathematics, right? But like that Christian learning um, I think is so important. Yeah, and just to, this, this is one of my like um, passionate topics, but I, I personally was empowered by a, I, I went to a school of, I don't know, 3,000. I had 600 in my class. And um, I had one Christian, professing Christian teacher throughout all four years of high school. Yeah. And he didn't, he never spoke of the gospel. He never spoke of God, but rather he spoke truth from his words and through his actions. So I think as educators or as people in a marketplace, as people in whatever setting, is you don't necessarily, the cool thing about you know, our society is that it was built upon biblical truths, and over time we've lost the scriptures that tied into the biblical truth, and people have lost their faith, but people still want to hear that they're loved, that they're cared for, and that there is somebody out there who is willing to let them know that. And I think something that we can do as educators, or sorry, I'm not an educator, but something you can do as educators um, is, is just you know, speak truth into somebody's life. There might be a student who is going through a hard time at home and they've never heard the word love in their household. And all you need to tell them is that they're loved today. And they don't, you don't have to say you're loved by God, but you, you can say, you know what? I care for you and there is someone out there who loves you. 
and that's going to open up a door right for their heart to be like, okay, like, what's this love about? How, how does this person truly love me? And I think the cool thing about, uh, you know, the educational law system is that if the student brings up, you know, okay, like, is there God? Like, what, what's going on? Then you can interact into that situation. Exactly. But if you bring it up, obviously, there's, there's laws permitting that. But if our actions proceed like, hey, I love you and there's a God that's working through me and he wants to know you and the student brings it up, that's an amazing way of building an opportunity. Yeah, and one more thing I'd add is Jesus said streams of living water flow from those who believe. The Holy Spirit is moving through each and every one of us. doesn't matter where we are. So if you picture literally a well, a geyser of life flowing from you everywhere you go, And so if you're in a public school, whether you're saying Jesus' name or not, the Holy Spirit is moving through you because God loves everybody passionately and powerfully. And so I love this conversation because I know God is going to save some of his greatest works for this moment of our season of life. And um, I'm just thankful that Jesus is doing so much more in the moment than I ever could. One thing I just want to say super quick, kind of piggybacking off both of those things. Um, there's not on time to pack this. That's why I wasn't going to say anything. But if anyone wants to talk after, I'm happy to. My personal story, my, my process to starting to open my heart to Jesus was because of a teacher. Okay, they may not have been the person that led me to Christ. That was someone else. But it, the process started because a teacher saw the trauma that I was going through and cared. So if there's anyone that is going into education and wants to talk more about that, I'm happy to, but just know the impact you can have in a school and a student is, is I I wouldn't be serving Jesus if it weren't for my seventh grade teachers. So. So one of the questions that's popped up like four or five times already is how do we communicate the plan of salvation or how do we when somebody asks us like about how do i know jesus how do we communicate that with them i i love this question and uh it's it's one of those questions where it's it's like it should be so simple like it but it is it is complex it's like nerve-wracking too I'm going to point out my wife, Haley, for just a second, because we were at Minnesota Kids Camp speaking like two years ago, and she was like, how, how do I pray with a kid that is going to come up and ask for salvation, right? And just like, you know, almost like she, she was just wanting to follow if there are, are, like, are there any rules about this? Like, you know, she's a rule follower. She's a very good rule follower. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I, you know, you just don't quite know. Um, and... If, if you really want to learn, like, go and, like, actually do it, experience it with someone that's already doing it, like, leading someone to Christ when they, when they actually do that, um, and, just, and just practice. It's, it's not like a, like a thing that you do beautifully the first time, right? <laughs> like, when I, when I started doing street evangelism, um, or, like, even when I was in high school and I'd go out and, you know you know, just street witness and just witness to like kids and youth or anyone that was out in the community and just directly bring up the gospel. It was one of the like hardest things. It's like there's like a something in your throat and you're just like, 
it. Jesus? Have you heard about Jesus? Like, <laughs> can I tell you about Jesus? And then if you get to the, the point where they're like, oh, yeah, I'd like to pray. And you're like, oh, my gosh, like, how do I pray again? Oh, my word, right? But once you do it a couple times, it just becomes like this natural, effortless thing where you're just constantly just overflowing, kind of like that geyser, like that river. And one of my, one of my favorite examples, like every time I'm with this guy, um, I know he spoke here a, a little bit ago. You guys know Chris Pruitt of Minnesota? Like if you, if you hang out with Chris Pruitt, you kind of just see that, like, I go out to eat with him, and there's this woman, um, <laughs> me and Haley were with him at Perkins like really late at night, and she had all these like new age tattoos and all different types of different like demonic type things. And Chris just started evangelizing to her in the most kind way that just seemed so effortless, and it was because he just did it all the time, and he was just, he just made that woman feel so comfortable. Like, not condemned, not like, why do you have those new age tattoos on it, you know? But just, you know, significantly, you know, she started talking about her angels and different things like that, and he just started communicating the gospel, you know, in the sweetest, most natural way, like, because it's like a river, you know what I mean? So, but just don't, just go be around those people. Call Chris Pruitt today and just ask him to, ask to follow him around. That was, a, that was an interesting Chris Pruitt voice there. I had yeah. never heard that deep growl in his voice. <laughs> uh, I would say for me, uh, so I grew up, my, my father uh, was one that would, he, big street evangelism, like we would be out Lake Street, uh, New York, Hollywood, Daytona Beach, all these different spots. And so one of the things that learned from all, uh, my experience that's been really beneficial has been just continue to remember your salvation story. Yeah. When did you, like, what was the point that you came and you're like, Jesus, you're real. Like, I'm ready to go all in. Jesus, I believe in you. Yeah. Jesus, I choose to follow you. Like, your own personal salvation story. And, and I love the theme that's developing here, like the streams and the guys, because that becomes the base of it's the joy of your salvation, what Christ did for me. It's no longer this like, oh, I have to, this, op yeah. like, it becomes, hey, out of an overflow of the joy of what I have experienced in my own life of following Jesus, I want to share that. And, um, and then my, my friend Ryan, he's probably the, one of the best I've ever seen do this in people I've interacted with. He will just like, in order to start a conversation, he'll like find things that are gonna, that it's gonna pr prime a conversation. So we'd go be playing basketball and he'd always bring like two things of Gatorade. And he'd bring it for a couple weeks, and finally someone would go, bro, why are you bringing all this Gatorade? And, and it sounds cheesy at first, but he would always have a, a response. He's like, man, because this is what Christ did for me. Whenever I was thirsty, he always gave me a drink. Oh, you always here with that church stuff. But, sir, <laughs> but sure enough, there was always, always someone that goes, hey, tell me more. Yeah. And they would lean in. And so like he said, he found a need. Like, hey, I'm going to this spot. I'm going to just out of an overflow be a blessing when I come in. Come on and be ready to share out of an overflow what Christ has done for me. So I know on the salvation side, knowing your own personal salvation story, having that there and just continue to lead out of that, not of, I have to do this, I, because it's not guilt, it's, man, this is, this is a get to. And so that's just something I would share from my personal experience that's helped. No, that's really good. There's like, there's an overflow person, if you've ever been around an overflow person, and there's also, so like, my advice was be around overflow, and there's also people that are like sucking everything out, right? <laughs> like they're 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 being the exact opposite of an overflow. Yeah, yeah no, you're you're doing you're doing the right thing here. Um, but I think uh, I think just another advice of like how to is like you know 
uh, just watch the people that you're around, yeah. right? Like there's leaders and people that you can be around that'll just help you naturally start to do it too. And then there's the exact opposite of people that you can be around that, that will encourage you to be closed off, encourage you to be the opposite. Yeah. yeah, and one thing I would add is don't let your comfort zone become your coffin. Um, yeah. You can only tell people about Jesus if you talk to them. And it's so important that you get great at asking people questions about their life. Yeah. Um, because too often we are wondering, why, is, why isn't anyone talking to me? Or we, we live uh, kind of an inflow mindset when God has called us to outflow and overflow. Yeah, and so on the fire department where I serve, I, I've been a volunteer firefighter for 14 years. It's the best excuse I have to ride on fire trucks. And so... Um, what I get to do is I get to go to training nights, I get to go on fire calls, and what I'm actively listening for is what's going on in the lives of my fellow firefighters. Yeah. And invariably, someone's gonna go and have a surgery, so I'm texting them, hey, I'm praying for you today. And I'm actively looking for opportunities to, to meet the need and uh, just showing up. And it's, it's a lot more simple than we make it, it's just not always easy. Yeah, that's good. That's so good. This is so good. Derek and I are like sitting here going, oh my gosh, this is so good. I wish we could keep this conversation going. But um, just kind of like as we wrap up, how can communities or like separate, um, we're going to say vocations, because um, sometimes we get torn apart and think that like, oh, because I'm not a pastor, because I'm not a teacher, because I'm not this or that, um, I can't influence the next gen. But how can we all work together to create a supportive, inclusive missional um, environment for the next generation? I would, I would say, like there's that whole idea of calling mm -hmm. and what I tell uh, like people that I'm recruiting in ministry as like a full-time pastor, they don't tell you that when you're going into full-time ministry that like half your job is just talking to people <laughs> to come volunteer church. Come on, be a team member, come on. <laughs> They never, they never told me that here. Um, yeah, it's, it's literally how to recruit a volunteer one-on-one. Um, no, but as I'm, as I'm doing that, one of the things that, that, that God has just kind of maybe um, stirred in me that's a conviction is there's this whole idea of like, you know, someone would look at me on a stage and be like, wow, he is called to kids ministry. Like, look at what he's doing. Wow. He's doing balloon animals and different magic tricks and doing communicating the gospel. But that's not me. I'm not called to like kids, you know, when in reality is like that's not how the Bible talks about it at all. Right. Where like in Israel, when they were, you know, stacking the 12 stones, it wasn't the responsibility of like the pastor's wives to run the kids ministry. Right. It wasn't like, hey, where's the Levites wives? Like tell them to go and run this kids ministry so we don't have to be around the kids. Like, it wasn't that at all. It was, it was one generation to the other, right? Like the entire generation to the next generation. So it's not like, are you called to kids ministry? Or are you, do you have a calling on your life from youth ministry? No, like you are this generation and you are called to the next generation. And that's just, that's just it right? It's not like this feeling inside of you or you have to do like this many, you have to have this many pairs of shoes to be like this, you know, I'm just teasing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, 
or like you you have to have this many like you know ways that you can communicate creatively to young people um, or be able to speak in the microphone. It's just like no, go be a, go be a part of the local church and go serve the next generation, uh, and that's just our calling. Everyone. That's really good. I love how you can tell you're a communicator. You went from the intro, you took the intro illustration, brought it into the conclusion, and that was really good. Uh, just, I'll be quick then. Uh, we'll go, uh, you're a follower of Jesus before you're a leader. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And I think so it's, you, that can get lost in career, marketplace, ministry, because uh, you're affirmed for the, the success or the accomplishments you have in that field. So to constantly remind yourself you're a follower of Jesus before you're a leader. Um, and then within that, uh, I love what you shared, just staying connected to the capital C church yeah. um, and just modeling for the next gen. What does it look like to be a part of the capital C church mm-hmm. that are being the hands and feet of Jesus? There is no perfect church. OK, and I know there's a lot there's a lot of great churches in the state of Minnesota, state of Wisconsin. Uh, and so and all the other states, but to stay <laughs> connected to the capital C church and not to be just a someone that's just uh, watching, but to be involved, to stay ready in season and out, yeah. Yeah. Um, investing back in and model because the next gen, they are watching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They are watching and it's it's they're going to catch it before they're going to like uh, it's not it's caught, not taught. And so they're going to catch it. They're watching you. They're watching all of that. So please just. Be a fo- great, just continue to be a follower of Jesus and get uh, connected to the Capital C Church. Yeah. To, to build off those, I imagine all of us know people who are younger than us. Siblings, cousins, nephews, nieces, neighbors. So it's like, man, who do I already know who's younger and how can I love them well? How can I model this well? So a lot of times it's like we want to categorize things like, oh, I'm called to youth ministry, right? It's like, mm-hmm. Man, we all are connected to people who are younger than us. Yeah. Everyone. So how do we love them well? How do we model well? Yeah, um, that's true. That's yeah. true. just want to throw that in there. I'm a big fan of intergenerational opportunities. Yeah. So I think whenever, within the church, within our communities, larger, wherever our church is, the, our church communities, um, if we can get all age groups together, doing life together, I think it's really fun to see maybe some of our more senior people in church realize like, man, I still have value and can I, I can speak into a young person's life and I can mentor a young person even if I don't have the energy to go to camp and play the games on a Wednesday night, right? But I can sit at a table together and have pizza or whatever it is. I, I just think there's so much power in intergenerational relationships where we, we can all learn from each other. I have so much to learn still and I, I think I have a lot that I can impart to other people, right? So I think... I think the more we can do that within our communities, I think the healthier we are too. Yeah, and thinking about like how do we build organizations that are inclusive, I think it's important for us to remember that people don't quit jobs, people don't quit organizations, they quit culture. And so we as kingdom people need to steward and curate and create culture that is healthy and it starts in our hearts, but it also starts with our shared values. And so just helping everyone understand that um, God has not called us to wow the world. He's called us to win the world. And so everything that we do needs to be anchored in our purpose for being. And so as on my volunteer fire department, like we're watching all of our neighboring volunteer fire departments hemorrhage and retire out and age out people. 75% of volunteer firefighters in America are volunteer. And so what's amazing is that my fire department is led by a very healthy fire chief. 
and he's creating healthy culture. And we are one of the only volunteer fire departments in our county that is growing right now. And so culture creation is the long play. It takes more work. It's frustrating, but it is the winning play. Amen. Yeah, that's so good. Um, Well, there are a bunch more questions that we were not able to get to, um, but we have to wrap up. But one thing that I would like just kind of encourage everybody is as we've talked, like be around the people that you want to like receive their overflow from. Um, I'm looking at some of these and I'm like, man, y'all should like like reach out to Pastor Phil through like Instagram or something. I was like, because I know like personally there's been times where I've texted him. I'm like, I just have a question and we'll jump on the phone or like same with Miranda and a bunch of these folks. Um, uh, there are people who want to build relationships with you. And like I said, there's so many questions and it's always good to have um, like mentors and resources in that way. So that's one thing I just encourage you. You can feel free to ask these guys questions. But um, before we go, Dan, could you just pray for us, pray us out? I'm putting him on the spot. We are. We yeah. Can we, we all stand? Time. Yeah. <laughs> Let's all stand. Uh, Heavenly Father, thanks for pursuing us first. Thanks for loving us first, God. Thanks for rescuing us, redeeming us, and giving us a better way to live. Now, God, we need your spirit to move from this moment forward and let us not leave this in the philosophical realm. Help us to leave this room right now knowing that you've placed opportunities, good works that you've prepared in advance for us to do in today on January 31, 2024. But also, God, help us to build the muscle to do this for the rest of our lives, to love people the way that you do, to be responsive in the moment, wherever we go and wherever we are, God, we thank you and we love you. Amen. Amen. Can we get up for our panel one more time? We will see you all back here tomorrow at 10.50. Mr. Kyle Joris will be uh, speaking for us.